This is Clutch Fans. The Rockets are going to Boston. How sweet it is! And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host. The man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. We are here uh, at a bit of a sad scene at the Toyota Center after Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals, a 119-106 to loss uh, by the Houston Rockets to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I'm here with my good friend M.K. Bauer. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Moisicapenda, especially a great follow during the games. Uh, but a great follow on all things Houston and, and food and movies. Uh, MK, first of all, thanks for being here. But, you know, the big thing I took away from this game is, did you know that Portland took Greg Ovenova, Kevin Durant? <laughs> Shout out to the person on your on your message board who said I was lazy for saying Kevin Durant's the best offensive player in the league. <laughs> Shout out to that person right there. Look, I think we discussed a lot of things kind of coming into the series about what the Rockets needed to do to be successful. And they did a lot of those things in reverse or the opposite of that tonight. The role players did nothing. Um, Chris Paul kind of had an empty double-double. I mean, he really didn't play all that particularly well. Um, they had no answer defensively for Kevin Durant, no matter who they sent his way, no matter where it was on the floor. And they had a lot of breakdowns defensively, which was odd in terms of leaving guys wide open, the wrong guys wide open behind the line on three-pointers. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry had a couple. Nick Young had a couple in the first half. And they got burned repeatedly. Look, the Golden State's a very, very difficult team to defend against because they do so. They move the ball so well and they pass so exquisitely. You can't compound banners by making mistakes repeatedly defensively. And I thought the Rockets did tonight. And that, was, that really undermined them. More than anything else, we can get into, we will, um, the poor play from their bench, um, how most of the guys in the starting lineup outside of James Harden really didn't do much of anything. But you can't make the number of mistakes they made tonight and expect to beat a team as good as Golden State is. And, and they didn't. And they, they have a lot of things to short for between now and Game 2 on Wednesday. I think the big takeaway for me just watching this is Golden State, you know, any vulnerability that we saw in the regular season, I mean, that's just closed right up. I mean, they can turn it on. They're clearly an elite team. This is a historically great team. I mean, the Rockets are an outstanding team. And that second half uh, in this game, uh, Golden State just just outplayed them, period. You know, I think overall you look at the numbers, and there are some things that without a doubt the Rockets can shore up. I think that they can uh, – the role players, you know, you know we're going to talk about that, how they're, they they have been struggling. Um, and I think uh, defensively, certainly the Rockets could be better. Uh, Warriors shot just under 53% from the field, almost 40% from three-point range. Clay Thompson got several wide-open three-pointers, which uh, was a little bit frustrating. But, you know, you got 41 points from James Harden. You didn't shoot – Miserably, about 35.1% from three. I mean, you, you're going to have to do a lot better uh, in areas where I don't think you need necessarily more from Harden, but you're going to need more from other players. There's a lot to tighten up, and your margin of error is very small. I will go against one thing you said about um, Golden State shooting as well as they did tonight offensively. Really, that was kind of par for the horse. Did you know the team that had the most success, effective field goal percentage against the Rockets this season was Golden State at 61.8%? 
through the course of those three regular season games. Tonight it was 60.6. So really what we saw from Golden State offensively is what we've seen all year against them from them against the Rockets. So I don't know if the Rockets can defend them any better than they did tonight. In fact, by average, they defended them better tonight than they did against Golden State in the regular season. I just think Golden State for a lot of teams is a handful. And even a good defensive team with the Rockets, you don't have enough to defend all their weapons. Tonight, I thought by and large, Steph Curry was kind of pedestrian. And Draymond Green averaged a triple-double, 15 points a game on top of that in the last round against the Pelicans. He had five tonight. Um, It was Kevin Durant and it was Klay Thompson. Again, they have so many guys that can torch you offensively that you're left scrambling constantly. And really, the only thing the Rockets can do is avoid mistakes. I don't think they can defend specifically better because the numbers prove that they can't against this particular team. They can score better. And their success against the Warriors this season was predicated on them scoring better than they scored tonight. And more efficiently, they didn't have that tonight. And to the point you were making, the Rockets, I think their their, their turnover rate through the postseason is 9.8% entering tonight. Uh, The 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 second-best league has seen in 41 years. They had 15 turnovers tonight. That can't happen. You can't play a certain way isolation basketball and not turn the ball over because guys are pounding the ball in and you're very making, making very few passes and then tonight fuel that, that, that Golden State transition offense Golden State was averaging 17.4 points per game in transition and postseason by far the best in the league at 18 tonight all the things that Golden State does well they did well tonight all the things the Rockets normally do well they didn't do well tonight they didn't defend very well they turned the ball over a lot. They didn't get contributions from guys outside of James and, and, and Chris. And they had been getting those here and there, not consistently, but Capella had been good. Tucker had been good. They had been getting guys kind of chip in. None of those things happened tonight. I think certainly Clay, I mean, you could have, I think, defended better. I think there were times, like you mentioned before, where he was just yeah, <laughs> left. I mean, it's, it's kind of like when Joe Ingles was left wide open in game two. You're like, mm-hmm. what is going on here? Uh, there was definitely sort of a feeling out process. I don't know why you had to learn that lesson in this game. But, on, you know, on KD, can you defend much better? I mean, maybe on some of those plays. But, I mean, there were times where Luke, hands in his face from 18 to 20 feet out. I mean, Clint all over him. He's hitting these shots. These are the shots you want them to be taking. And, Miami, you're smiling and kind he's of like laughing. He's the best offensive player in the league. They ran multiple guys at him on multiple spots on the floor. Um, Paul, Luke, Tucker, Harden, um, Ariza. Capel, it didn't matter, Dave. Because if you double him, you're taking your chances with the three point. Yeah, because then you're leaving three point shooters open, more, exactly. more open than they were tonight. <laughs> right. and that's, that's that's a serious problem. Like that's that's the conundrum, right? And Steve Kerr said it. Like he's the one guy that you can't defend in this league, and he makes them go offensively because he puts you in a constant dilemma of do we run guys at him individually and see what we can do, hope he misses shots, or do we double him, get the ball out of his hands, and they pass so well. Draymond being the fulcrum of that as well, pass so well, and you ain't get guys open for three point looks. Look, I don't understand how anyone can kind of get to the firm amount of not thinking this guy is incredible because we saw him just hit a vast array of shots. Not one set of shots, not a layup or a three-pointer. Shots from all over the mid-range, a few threes mixed in there. He's unguardable. And if he's going to make shots like that over defensive help, over guys, to your point, in his face with a hand extended, you're helpless and there's not really much you can do. And then you have to find a way to, to kind of go back to your, your earlier point not leave guys wide open. Like, like, I get what their numbers are offensively against the Rockets' defense. You cannot afford to have the mistakes they had in, in rotations and leaving three-point shooters wide open. That just can't happen again in Game 2. Game 2 is a must-win at this point. Now, with this, law, with this uh, Game 1 loss, home court advantage gone, uh, I, I personally think that they're going to have to I, I maybe stick to what they're doing with, with Durant. I don't know how you can 
I mean, as you pointed out, they have so many weapons, it's absurd. Um, but, you know, the big thing is we knew starting lineup for starting lineup, the Warriors are a better team. It's the bench where the Rockets were supposed to really take off, and that has been a huge disappointment. In fact, I think really throughout the playoffs, uh, we've kind of looked at this. You know, this happens routinely, I think, in most for most teams in the postseason. You say, wow, we're looking like 10 deep. We're really, you know, we're going to struggle to even find minutes, and now we're struggling to just find guys. You know, the Rockets are to to give them quality minutes. Gerald Green is a problem. I mean, he's he hits some tough threes, he takes some some tough shots, but he's he's fouling guys on defense constantly. Uh, he's he's you know getting lost at de- on defense. And Eric Gordon, I mean, just I don't even want to say he's been inconsistent. He's just had flashes here and there of a quality game. Uh, he's had a lot of poor games in the playoffs uh, up to, to date. And he's been good against them, the Warriors specifically this season. I should do the three, but he had a couple of really good performances against them this season. You kind of expected him to give you a little bit more. And, and it's kind of weird. You're looking at him score 15 points to 6 or 13 shooting. You're like, that's not bad. But when you watch the game, a lot of that was late when they were out of contention and it wasn't really doing much in the flow of the game. He fumbled the ball on a, on a cut to the basket in the first half. That would have been a sure layup. Um, he fouled a couple of times in, in, in bad positions. He did not play well. And he, for the most part, has not played well this postseason. And they cannot afford to carry a guy like him who's not going to play well when you need his contributions offensively. Because, again, they're not going to out-defend the Warriors. They can outscore the Warriors, maybe. And they need guys like Eric Gordon to step up and perform like he has performed for the course of the season, particularly in the second half when he shot very, very well. I don't know what to say about Luke Bamute at this point. Yeah, he true. has not been the same since he's come back from the shoulder injury. I understand him wanting to rush and get back and help this team play. But it's pretty clear he has no confidence going to the basket out of fear of something will happen once he gets there if the shot is contested or something else is going on in his mind. But he's missing a lot of shots at the rim, easy shots at the rim. He was 0 for 6 tonight. And you can't get points out of him if you're only going to get three shots out of P.J. Tucker, who was a godsend for you against Utah. And if Trevor Ariza is going to get five fouls in a, it felt like in a span of five minutes, where are you going to get points from? Yeah. Uh, the, the one concern you had about this series, particularly with Clint Capella, is that Draymond could take him out of it. And we saw that tonight. There was zero action on the pick and roll because Draymond is so damn effective at getting in that spot between the guard yep. and the big and closing that. in that space to where you can't make the pass over, you can't make the bounce pass through him. He's extraordinary. And because of that, he effectively took Capella out of the game offensively. You have nothing there. So what do you have left? James Harden doing all he can and having a fantastic night. But ultimately, people still looking at him like, can you do more? I don't know what you can, more you can expect out of a guy who scored 41 points and had seven assists. It's not feasible for him to do more than he did. They need other guys to step up and do more. You know, and you you look at the lineup, and there's really seven guys you can trust. The starting, I mean, I, I personally believe this, and I think D'Antoni probably, I mean, he probably has a little bit farther trust than I do. But I look at uh, the starting lineup, and I think Gordon and Mabamute, and uh, both of those guys struggled tonight. Uh, Gerald Green's the guy who stepped up, as you pointed out, when Ariza got you know foul trouble, picked up his. Four, I really think his third foul just before halftime was was really cheap one that Tony Brothers called just before halftime, and then he picked up four and five early in the third quarter, and the Rockets had to go with Gerald Green. And I think you know we, we talked a little bit about the problems of Gerald Green, but you've got Gordon and Mabamute you can trust. Ryan Anderson, they tried uh, him in there, and that stretch where they went with Green and Anderson was, was a, a problem. Was I, think, I believe that was the second quarter, mm-hmm. and the, the Warriors built a lead up at seven or nine points. Uh, Rockets made a, a flurry and a run, took back the lead just before halftime, uh, ended up being tied there. 
you, you can't play those two guys together against the Warriors. I mean, just defensively, there's just too many problems. So right now, I think just playing Nene to me is kind of a sign that they've had they've got some problems because I don't think he's a great fit for this matchup in general. Um, and so you've got a, you're about seven deep right now of guys that you can truly trust for your defense and, and still be able to hit knock down those shots. And Gerald Green's a wild card. And that's the, that's the point. Like if you play only seven, where's the offense going to come from? And the minute they put Nene in the game, what did they do? They start switching everything and putting Nene out on Durant. And, and I was literally cringing next to you because it's not fair to Nene <laughs> yes, to have to dart Kevin Durant on the perimeter. It's just not fair. So, so again, they don't have the structure defensively to formulate a great enough defense to thwart the Warriors if guys like Gordon and Bamute aren't going to make open shots. Like, you need Bamute to make open shots or to make layups. I mean, he had a couple cuts in the basket. He was wide open and didn't make those layups. You need Gordon to make three-pointers, period. That, that He has to do that for you. And you need Tucker and other guys to provide you some thrust offensively as well as providing you some sort of um, gumption defensively to kind of thwart this team. It's it's not going to work. Like it's, it's interesting we're talking about this, the depth, because what was everyone ringing the bell about how great this team was depth-wise after they got Joe Johnson added them to the team and after that, you know, the revelation that was Gerald Green, and it seemed like they had plenty of bodies. And now we're kind of looking at it and going, uh, maybe they don't have enough bodies yeah. or enough guys to contribute. The guys they do have playing, they have to do better. You know, uh, obviously, I don't, I'm not in any way saying the officiating was a, was the reason they lost this game. There were a couple of tough calls in in the fourth. I thought that backcourt violation. There has been some con- been some debate on that whether it was a loose ball off of a missed shot. It seemed like the Warriors gained possession, but perhaps they didn't. Uh, Rockets were certainly complaining, and of course, next thing you know, Clay's got a wide open three, knocks it down. It seemed like the Rockets uh, every time they seem to get momentum, they make a mistake or some type of play, and, and boom, the Warriors go down and quickly get a three, and just this five or six point swing happens, and and it just just takes away uh, the momentum they had. But I will say, in the locker room today, I don't want to say which player, but I did uh, hear a player ask another Rocket player. Hey, what's our record? Or I, I had heard that this happened. Uh, what's our record when uh, Scott Foster is uh, officiating, and that is 0 and 5 in the last two seasons in the playoffs, <laughs> and 14 and 3 when he's not officiating? Again, in no way am I saying that that's the reason uh, they lost. They lost this game, but that uh, does seem to be an issue anytime uh, Foster and brothers tag up. I will say, going into Game Two, I think a lot of fans maybe have lost some hope. We saw some fans leaving uh, three, four minutes left with left in the game uh, today. Uh, what do the Rockets have to do to, to say, you know, this is this can still be a series? I think you made a really good point in terms about in terms of the, 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 those those points in the game where the Rockets had a run and then the Warriors got a shot and, and made a shot and kind of you know quelled the Rockets' rally. I, I, personally, I understand the Rockets have played at a much slower pace in the second half of the season, way down in the bottom, and a lot of that is predicated on what they do in isolation. I don't think they can be afraid of running against the Warriors. Uh, and, I, and I get that to an extent you're thinking there's a threat there of going back and forth and track beat with a team that, again, leads the league in transition points. 18 3 today. Yeah, yeah, but I think you, you, can't, you can't allow yourself to be so slow that they score quickly and then you're trying to slow it that back down again. There has to be some sort of thrust there offensively yeah. to kind of put them back on their heels because when they settle in into their half-court defense, they're extraordinary. They have so many guys that can stay in front of your, your penetration, and it stifles everything you want to do. And again, it's not just isolation with the Rockets. It's pick and roll, and that was just vacant tonight. Like, you didn't see hardly any of that because of Drake Green. And so if you're going to really rely upon what you've always done, 
and think it's going to be better, that's probably folly. The one thing you can change without completely scrapping who you are as a, as a team is maybe get the ball up and down the court a little bit faster or take opportunities to get shots early in the shot clock in game two as opposed to settling back and just kind of pounding the ball. I don't think that's going to work. You're not going to get enough opportunities to score against this defense playing that way, and you can't let their defense settle in in the half court because they will choke the life out of you. They have to figure out some sort of way to be a little bit more daring offensively in order to get more shots up. And if they get more shots up, maybe make more shots, maybe make more threes, maybe get the Warriors back on the heels, maybe get them in foul trouble. Like the, There has to be some sort of alternate method to kind of get better offense than what you've seen thus far in game one tonight. And I think maybe the easiest way is to attack a little bit quicker and a little bit more often. We certainly saw tonight how dangerous the Warriors uh, can be. I think um, you know what opened my eyes a little bit was just you know obviously I know how the Rockets are, what you know exactly how they play. They are an isolation team. That's their strength. They're not going to go away from that. But I was surprised uh, how effective the Warriors were at times, just forcing them into 24-second violations yeah. or just down to getting just desperation heaves just to get a shot off before the clock uh, expired. Um, you know, as you pointed out, the Rockets might have to have a little bit more thrust, get, you know, get something going a little bit sooner, more action. Uh, they're going to have to make some adjustments. But uh, this was certainly eye-opening. I expected the, um, you know, that it was great first half. I think the, the atmosphere here in Toyota Center, oh, it really was. The first quarter, I, I, you know, when the Rockets built a 21 to 12 lead, this place was going crazy. And when Draymond had that early technical uh, for pushing Harden after a basket. Um, this this place was as loud as I think I've ever heard it. Um, it the, Toyota Center was ready because I, I you know, wrote a, a recent article kind of criticizing you know what we've seen here in the lower bowl. It's been a problem in the club in the club seat section. Uh, it, it wasn't an issue tonight. I think they came ready for the series. Maybe they've been waiting for it all year and thinking nothing you know nothing else really mattered. Uh, they're going to need that again in game two. I'm concerned about their mentality in terms of how they attack this team. Like. As much as we, and I kind of wrote a preview about this, as much as we talk about the offenses of both squads, one and two in the league, um, threatening to be among the most efficient ever in, in league history, it's really about what Golden State does defensively. And they have to solve that riddle. And that's easier said than done because Golden State's number one in the league defensively in the postseason. They slacked a little bit and still finished in the top ten this year, but really they've always been, even with Mark Jackson before Steve Hurd got there, a top five defensive team. Um, they have weapons, and they have defensive weapons. Yeah, and yeah. we spend a lot of time talking about their offensive weapons. they got a lot of guys who can guard. And w- when you have that many guys who can guard and you play a certain style that, that kind of feeds into their strength defensively, you better make shots. And I don't know how you force them to make shots. You better make shots. And they, they got to get guys to get more involved offensively, and they got to hope they make more shots. And they, they really got to figure out a way to kind of maintain the energy they needed they had in the first quarter through the course of the game, they got to win game two on Wednesday. They have to, Dave. Absolutely. Mike D'Antoni said before the game, the Rockets are uh, obviously the underdogs. That you know the, the Warriors are the champs, and you're going to have to knock them out. And we definitely saw that tonight. Rockets lose home court, uh, and they're back on their heels. And they're now uh, clear underdogs. I think most people, most analysts right now are going to completely dismiss this team. I have to think, but we'll see. We'll be back here Wednesday. MK, thanks for doing this with me. Thank you, Dave.